It's so easy to point the finger at other people. That was my basement, right? The victim mentality to a place of empowerment. This life story of mine, I can write it however I want to write it. Because the only person who can write it is me. Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of the Live Into Your Brilliance podcast with me, Al Kenny, and my usual partner in crime, Mark Billows Bilby. And we also have a very special guest joining us, but I will uh, pass over to Mark, who will do the honor of introducing them to you. Hello, mate. Uh, lovely to be here. And I am delighted to introduce our listeners to my friend and colleague, Annette Johnson. I have the great pleasure of working with Annette at a company in Boston, um, and we are working on a cultural leadership program together, and we have lots of fun. And through the course of our collaboration, um, I've fallen in love with her, and um, and I thought she'd just be an, a magic person to have on the podcast because she's she's got a really interesting story. I don't even know half the the story. Um, and so I'm excited to dig in. So a little background on Annette. Annette is a senior uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion leader um, here in the US um, and is the principal of AJ Leeds uh, Consulting LLC. Um, she has her master's in organizational leadership. Um, she's both a facilitator, an author, She's a speaker, she's a certified leadership coach, um, focusing primarily on coaching women. Um, she's the author of Fly, which is Forgive and Love Yourself, A Path to Letting Go and Living with Inner Peace. Uh, Annette hosts a podcast herself uh, entitled Living in the Good Space. Uh, where she has conversations about how to remain steadfast, navigating the shifting tides of life. Um, she has designed and facilitated programs for thousands of people across the globe. She loves to travel. Um, I know she's a massive family person. Um, and congrats to you, Annette, and your husband, because I know your husband just had his retirement party, so that's awesome. So more time to travel. Um but you and your husband have been married for 39 years. You have two beautiful daughters, uh, two grand dogs, Snoop and Cole. So lovely to have you on the show and uh, can't wait to jump in. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Um, I've been looking forward to having this conversation. Congrats on your own podcast. I listened to some episodes and um, just some great conversations that you're having. So I I'm glad to, to be a part of the conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we've got a uh, we've got a surprise for you at the end. Don't worry, it's nothing alarming. Um, all of our guests uh, are, are uh, asked to come up with with something. But um, on this show, you know what we love to do is dig into the the true nature of of the human condition. And and you and I spend a lot of time um, working on this with the leaders that that we support and the organization we support and and uh, forging human connections and, and helping people raise their awareness. Um, and we, we love to blow up illusions uh, on this show. So, you know, when, when we discover that people have been clinging on to a narrative or have a perspective or live in an illusion, 
um, and and then and then and then we have the opportunity to debunk that and blow it up um, is is kind of what we live for, um, and we try to point to to the truth as 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 delicately and uh, in fun a way as possible. So I'd love to start with you. I mean, you've you've had this amazing career, and and would love to hear your story and how you how you started your your working life and and then how you got into you know the line of work that you did and the and the things that really interested you that that got you to you know write the book and 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 launch the podcast so please tell us your story yeah my story um i think about my story a lot and i i, I really consider myself blessed and i'm filled with gratitude as i look back now right as as i was on the journey i wasn't um, operating from a place of gratitude and, and, and thanks. I was always busy doing, doing, trying to achieve, trying to be better, trying to get more. Uh, but now when I look back, I'm like, this was pretty cool. <laughs> like I've met some really nice people. Uh, I've had some great mentors, great learning experiences, got to travel the world. But at the root of all of that, I discovered myself. That that's that's the magic for me is when I look back over my life and all of my different career experiences, the the good stuff, the bad stuff, uh, the triumphs, the failures. I don't even believe in failures anymore, but I'll just use that term. Um, all of that was at the root of me becoming or connecting to my true identity. And so I struggled with that for years because I, I grew up in corporate America. I did not work with a lot of people who looked like me. And for the positions that I aspired to, there weren't a lot of uh, women in those positions that I could that I could look to. And although I had some great mentors and that I'm still connected with today, great relationships, they didn't look like me. And so a part of my drive, a part of my curiosity, a part of my interest became, I, I want to be the person that I didn't have. I want to be the person for women that wasn't, that I didn't have access to and, and that, you know, wasn't there for me as a, as a role model. Um, and, you know, role models come in all different colors, shapes, sizes, ages, but I do think it's important to see yourself in the work that you're doing, the, the spaces that you fill and for your own just personal aspirations. So all roads led me to have a be- having a better understanding of who Annette Johnson is. And I spent a lot of time looking for like what is leadership? Like, you know, what type of leader do I do I want to be, need to be? Um, you know, what's gonna help me be successful? Like I was just on this search for what is leadership and how do I like, what am I looking for? <laughs> exactly. Like, I was searching for something and didn't even really know what I was searching for. Um, when I look back now, it's like, oh, I got it. You know, leadership is really more about who you are versus what you do, versus your role, your, 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 your profession, your education, like all the bells and whistles that as a working mom... <laughs> Uh, I was chasing all the certifications, all of the, the degrees, you know, I, I, nothing was ever good enough. Like it was like, okay, I just need this certification. All right. Well, maybe I just get this degree. That'll help me, you know, be a better leader, be successful. And now looking back over my life, and this is the conversation I have with women who are building their careers or who are transitioning from 
one phase of their life to the next, it's the question becomes, who are you? Not what do you want to do, not what do you want to accomplish, but who are you? Because I found that that's where my empowerment, that's where the, the, the personal power came from. And that's what excites me about life now is knowing who I am and being comfortable and confident in my skin and liking the person that I am. And that took a lot of work because I didn't always like me. And that's a whole nother, that could probably be a whole nother show. <laughs> but it was, it was in a third that I realized, you know, I don't really like this girl. <laughs> I don't really like her. And that's not who I want to be. That's not how I want to show up. Not for me personally, my family, my friends, my colleagues. Like, that's not the legacy that I want to leave. And so that just put me on a whole nother journey in life was to grow into the person that I could be happy about. And that when I look in the mirror, when I'm brushing my teeth, getting ready in the morning, I can look at it with a sense of satisfaction and, and pride and joy and just gratitude. That's amazing. And, and I mean, the, the, what, what was the moment? Um, I, like, I love what you said at the beginning, you know, you were in corporate America and I mean, corporate America today d does not even today does not look like America. And so, um, and so I, I'm intrigued, like as a, as a proud black woman going into that environment, like to have that level of awareness so early on to say, I want to be that person for other women to you know, I want to be the the mentor, the guide, the the source of inspiration for other women, particularly women of color. Like that's that's huge. Like how how where did that awareness come from, and 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 sort of become the fuel for your 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 exploration? So I'm going to be honest, it didn't come early on as early as it might seem. It came on in the second half of my career. So the first half, I was just trying to figure out how to navigate space. I knew that the, the entry-level position that I came into the company with was, was one that I wanted to grow from. And so in wanting to grow into other positions and do different type of work, I was focused on, well, you know, how do I get better? How do I be better? How do I have the things that people are going to see? You know, hello, look at me. I'm interested. I could do this job. You know, I've got the skills. I was more focused on that. It's the second half of my career when I got into coaching and I went for my coaching certification. I was pursuing my master's and um, I was moving in different spaces. I had met different people who were having conversations like this. That's when I realized, wait a minute. Like, I have another opportunity here. I'm a Black woman who grew up in corporate America three decades. I've navigated this space. I've met some great people. I've had great mentors. They helped me to discover me, learn more about me. And so I have an opportunity to do that. I could pay that forward. I, I can do that. And I do work, uh, I'm an advocate against um, intimate partner violence. So I work with nonprofit organizations and, and women who um, ha are affected by domestic violence. And many times the conversation is, 
you know, I need, I want to create a career for myself, or, you know, I'm looking to get into this field of work, um, or what are the skills that I need, or they need help with resumes, et cetera. And so that became the space that I could explore this. It was, ooh, I get to work with these beautiful women who are rebuilding their life, and I get to help them connect some dots, and I get to help them create a, um, a path forward. You know, not have all the answers, but just share some of the wisdom that I receive, mm-hmm. share resources, and help them think about how am I going to travel this road? And so that that happened the second half. And it is, it's just been one of the joys and treasures of my life is to be able to be in a position where I feel like I'm helping people. I always knew I was a helper. I always knew that you know, helping people in different ways, which is why I volunteer and do all the things I do. But this is a different type of help. This is, this is connecting with souls who, like, they, they want to live their best life. You know, they want to enjoy life. They want to, they want to tap into their potential. They want to make sure that they're, you know, uh, realizing their own potential and that they're giving back in the ways that they want to give back. And so that's just a whole different, whole different experience and something that I wasn't even, I wasn't even prepared for how great of a time I was going to have <laughs> doing that and, and just being in that space. I went into it with a work hat on, of course, right? And it's, okay, I need these tools. I lined up these tools and these are the exercises we're going to do. And these are the questions that I'm going to ask. But I connected with people on levels that, as I'm, I'm receiving more than I'm giving. They probably would not say that, but I feel like I receive more than I give. Very cool. Annette, I'd love to, um, there's a couple of things in there that I'd love to kind of come back to first. Um, you said about, you know, that you discovered yourself and your true identity. And um, there's a quote that I love from Edmund Hillary, which is that uh, it's not the mountain we conquer, it's ourselves. And, I'm curious as to when you when you look at your own self-discovery or as you talked about working with other ladies in, in the corporate world and so on, you said you don't, it's not really the question of what you do, it's who are you. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm really curious as to how you would describe your true identity and what advice you might have given a younger version of yourself or what advice you give to people that work with you now who may struggle with that question of like, what is it? How do I answer the question of who am I? And where, where does my potential live? Because I kind of, I get the sense that to a degree, we're all kind of a little bit confused sometimes by that question of like, who am I? We go, we go to try and validate it through external things, but I get a sense that you're pointing to somewhere much deeper than that with, uh, with the question. Yeah, it's a big question, and it's one that I keep in front of me all the time. I don't think, for me, it's, I, I don't think it's about arriving at a place, right? Oh, I know who I am now. Work done. That was cool. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's that. I think it's a journey that you stay on. Um, and for me, it was, it, it is always staying connected to myself from a place of the highest level of self-awareness possible. Uh, I mean, we all have blind spots and there's moments where we kind of, we can check out um, and, <laughs> and forget our North Star, so so to speak. 
but it's constantly staying connected to who 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 I am. I I'm a caring person. I love and respect people. I grew up with being taught that respect for others is n- number one. You know, you you respect your elders, you respect people. And in corporate America, sometimes I felt like my values weren't what was the most important. It was, it was the task. It was the work. And I'm not, I'm not sharing this from a place of, you know, I worked for a bad company or I had a horrible experience. That was not the case. But it was in discovering myself, I realized that I wasn't fully embracing what was important to me while I was on my career journey. I made the career journey the most important. So I discovered that leadership is very important, right? We, we, need, we need to be leaders in the spaces that we work, whether it's entrepreneurship, you're working for a company. Um, it doesn't matter. Leadership is important. But for me, I struggled with, but what does that mean? I didn't know what it meant. Like, how do I lead? <laughs> like, what is it a skill? Is it work experience? Is it... um like I just was so confused about what leadership was and and what it meant. And when I became um when I got on the path to becoming a certified coach, the first thing they told us the first weekend I showed up, they said you learn how to be a coach by being coached. And so I was assigned to coach. I thought it was going to be this textbook experience. I was assigned to coach who took me down this self-discovery path. And it was weekends of tears. It was weekends of anger, frustration, of journaling, of exercises. But those experiences, that year and a half, two years that I spent on that journey, helped me to answer the question, who am I? It helped me to fully embrace the fact that I'm a very loving person. I'm a very caring person. Um, I, I will roll up my sleeves and jump in and help without asking too many questions. You know, if my, if my team or my family or somebody needs help, I'm a, I'm a fixer. I'm just going to jump in and, and I'm going to fix. And so aligning my values, the, the, the biggest struggle for me was aligning my personal values with the values that I was introduced to that I believed were important. And that reconciliation is what is what I've experienced. I hope this is, I hope this is making sense. Like I was reconciling between what I thought was, was what I was supposed to be working towards, which was the total opposite of who I am as a person. So I was looking at people and movements and listening to conversations and almost trying to shape myself into what I thought was success. Well, these people clearly have to be successful because they're at this level and they're doing this and, and they're doing that. But success for me and learning who I am became, where's my joy? Where's my inner peace? Where's my happiness? And what role does that play in what I do? And I love, I, I love what you're pointing to there because, you know, that to, to, to have the awareness of the authentic self, whatever, you know, whatever, authenticity means to you but you know we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago um and um mateo and he said you know he suddenly had this realization that the person that he loves being 
where he feels at peace with his family and his friends was not the person he was taking into work. And, and when he had that realization, he realized he had to make a change. Now, that's a powerful statement. And, and, and what that just made me think of is I didn't think I, there were, I didn't think I had a choice. Right. So there were elements of myself, you know, people say, oh, you're so funny. So, I, you know, there are elements of myself, my authenticity that I know showed up, but I didn't think I had, it was okay for me to do that. I didn't think that that was going to get me to success. I, I felt that was holistically rejected, <laughs> if that makes sense. And so I, I didn't explore that. I kind of, I contained it. I contained those aspects of myself because I thought I had to. That's the point of reconciliation for me, that I felt I had to show up there in a different way to be successful versus using my authenticity and creating a leadership legacy for myself that was more true to who, who, I, who I really am. And what changed in that? Like, where was the, was there a penny drop moment, like a, a kind of a, an aha moment where you thought, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like I'm going to, that, that reconciliation process or like what, what triggered a kind of shift? Because it seems like the, as you, you described it, like a first half and a second half. And I'm just curious if there was something that, um, yeah, either triggered it or caused you to kind of just see through, perhaps see through that illusion of, oh, I have to show up a certain way to this idea of, no, I can, I can be me fully in whatever capacity. Yeah, um, there probably were a lot of little triggers. You know, by the second half of my career, I think I started to feel a little exhausted. Um, I started to feel like... Am I really happy here? I, I like I, it became a means to an end. You know, it was it was a great opportunity. It taught me a lot. I learned a lot. Um, I earned a great income. I got to travel the world. There were there were a lot of great aspects, but I didn't feel like it was something that was necessarily feeding my soul. I didn't feel like I was doing meaningful work. I didn't feel connected to the work. It just felt I felt like a robot. I felt like I was getting in my car, driving to work every day, not even knowing, like, I probably ran so many red lights because I was so disconnected. Like, I'd be in my car, like, I would get to work, and it's like, oh, wow, that happened so fast. I didn't even remember the ride to work, you know? And I got on the elevator, and I went to my office, and there was, I just, I was more connected to people that I worked with than I was the work that I was doing. And so one of the aha moments for me was, I want to do work that I feel connected to. The, the, the second half of this, this chapter story. <laughs> I want to feel excited about going to work. I want to feel more excited about the work than I do about the people that, that I, that I work with. And so I started exploring and having coaching sessions and conversations about what does the next chapter look like for me? You know, and how do I pivot? How do I take the skills and experience that I have and, and turn that into, to something else? And so I left, I left that 30 year career really curious and excited about doing something that would feed my soul, that I would be happy about, that I would feel like I was making some contribution. 
Um, and so I had a, I had several little jobs over the past five years, uh, small jobs and roles, just to explore that. Is this a space I would be happy in? Is this the work I would be happy in? Which really got me connected to the diversity, equity, and inclusion work. And I thought, well, I've been doing this on some level for three decades. I've always been at this table. I've always been doing this work. And so then I started exploring roles that were fully dedicated to doing uh, DE&I work because I thought I could bring all of my experiences, the personal experiences and the professional experiences into that work to help make a difference for people. And I, I thought about my daughters, actually, because they're both in, in, in corporate roles. And I thought about how do I package all of this, these life experiences and all this stuff up in a way that would help women like them, to help them ask ask themselves the tough questions and to help them get more clarity about what they want to do and what type of leader they want to be. That was the real thing. Because of course, like I said, I was struggling with, well, what is a leader exactly? And how do you develop into, into a leader? And so I wanted to be able to do work that helped people define leadership for themselves and how they wanted to, to show up as a leader. And it just started growing very organically from there. But I think back to your question, there were a lot of little triggers. Um, and that's when I knew I needed to shift because there were too many triggers. <laughs> I was being triggered a lot. And I thought, you know what? It's probably time for me to shift. This is probably a good indication for me to shift. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what our friend Mavis calls your your uh, built-in alarm system for this perfect operating system. You you start to trust those feelings and you know that you're you're attaching to the wrong things when it doesn't feel good. Uh, you're attaching to the things that that aren't so good, and so uh, fo- following that and trusting in that, and then putting one foot in front of the other, is uh, it requires a lot of courage, though. And talking of courage, I mean, you and I have had quite a few discussions about courageous leadership, and and you know we share this philosophy that yes leaders need to be able to lead and they need to be able to manage, they need to be able to coach and sort of blend those three aspects during their their day, um, depending on the situation and what have you. But true courageous leadership at the heart of that is this is this awareness of self that you've pointed to. Um and uh and and doing that work requires a lot of courage um to to acknowledge when you when you are in the basement of your consciousness and you're operating from a place of fear and and uh, and you, you feel like you're just spinning your wheels um, and you don't and and for many I think for many people whether you're a leader or not we we don't know how to get out of the basement we know we're in the basement because it feels terrible but we don't know how to get out of the basement um, and activate our uh, our, our leader A or, 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 or our, our kind of higher level of consciousness. Um, and so I'm curious as you, as you, I mean, obviously you, you noticed you were kind of in the basement, um, when you left that 30 year career and then you, you took the first step to activating a, a higher level of consciousness. You, 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 you were developing the strong sense of awareness. Um, did were you were you aware of the specific things that you could do to 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 not go back into the basement? Were you starting to develop a a language and a skill set around keeping yourself 
up there. And and the reason I'm asking the question is because like a big focus for us is the practice. So we'd love our listeners to hear from somebody with your experience. Like what are the types of things you were doing to say, "Uh oh, I'm, I'm sinking down again. I I need to stay up here in in, in terms of my consciousness. So before, before like the second half, well, I'm going to say during the second half of my career, I, um, decided to meet with a therapist and it's it's thanks to my mom that I got on this, (laughs) on this deep dive self-awareness journey because I was planning her 80th birthday and my mom and I had, um, a close relationship, but it was very contentious for a lot of different reasons. And so I was trying to make peace with that because I felt, how could I, like, I'm, this is not right. Like I'm, I was frustrated with being angry with my 80 year old mom. I was frustrated with us having, you know, these stressful interactions, et cetera. And so I was really trying to be a, make peace with that and be a better person in, in showing up for my mom. And in therapy, that's when I realized I started doing this attitude work. My, my therapist was helping me make peace with portions of my past that were still like very present for me. And I was showing up with this anger and frustration um, and sadness that I didn't even really know was like directing me as, as much as it was. And so in making, in, in making peace with that and resolving that, I realized that how I show up is totally in my control. It's not about my experiences or what somebody said to me or what somebody did to me. Um, I could give myself permission to not take things personal. And I could be in a forgiving state of mind even when I messed up or even when I didn't meet my own expectations. You know, I'm my, I'm my worst critic. I'm my worst critic. I beat myself up more than anybody else. And so I could give myself permission to say, okay, you didn't show up that way in the way that you wanted. That presentation didn't go the way you wanted. Um, that conversation, you could have done better, but how? And so it's, it's not like one thing. It is, it is keeping your vision for yourself in front of you and asking your, yourself, is this, am I showing up? Am I doing the thing that I said I want? to do that, that, that person that I want to be and, and constantly being aware of that, not to the point that you're driving yourself crazy, but I know instantly when I leave a conversation or when I leave, um, an opportunity, a task or whatever, whether or not I showed up the way that I wanted to and that I intended to, I know that. And so if I don't, then the question becomes, well, what happened? Where did you miss the miss the mark? And what do you want to do differently? How do you want to adjust for the for the for the next opportunity? Um, and yeah, you said something there which really captured my which was you um it sounded like I'm I'll probably paraphrase it. You you realize you have a choice as to how you show up. You know, it's like it's you have a choice if you take things personally or not, you know. I love that because I think I remember when uh, the first time I kind of caught a glimpse of that. I'm like, oh, this is a choice. Can you expand upon that a little bit for people that might be like, what do you mean it's a choice? Like how, how do I get to create myself in the world? And 
what's the opportunity that you see there for everyone if if they could if they could catch a glimpse of that yeah it was such an aha moment for me and it was one of my mentors um she's a woman that i worked for too and and we're still connected today but i remember so she must have seen that in me i know she saw that in me and i remember having a conversation with her and she's a very caring leader and so she her practice of radical candor is like none that I've ever seen before because she will give you the honest truth, but you want to hug her afterwards, you know, <laughs> even if it's painful to hear, you want to give her a hug. But she said to me one time, um, she said, she used to call me AJ and she said, AJ, she said, the experience that you had is not about you. It's about that person. You don't have to take that on. It's not. It's not a personal attack about you. It's not a. It's not a, a, a personal assault on you. It's about them and how they see the world and how they show up every day. It's not about you. And there was something in that that just. I don't know. It just like. It it just changed me. It's like wait a minute. Like because I was taking things personal. I felt like every time I walked in a room, I looked for rejection. Every time I, you know, uh, entered a, a conversation, I looked to not be heard. And I realized that I had an opportunity to shift that, that attitude, that way of thinking, and to walk into a room expecting to be heard and expecting to be seen and taking responsibility for doing that. So instead of me being quiet and not contributing my ideas because I feared being rejected, I always tapped into a space or an opportunity to share my ideas and my thoughts and my expertise. What people did with that information, I can't control. A lot of times I walked away and my idea wasn't, it wasn't something that was picked up um, and implemented. But what was picked up was more and more confidence within myself to exercise my voice and to not just occupy spaces for the sake of occupying spaces, but taking advantage of that space by exercising my voice and sharing my thoughts and my ideas and, and, and being prepared to not take it personal if it's not picked up and if nobody picks it up and runs with it or if somebody else reframes my idea <laughs> into the great idea that's going to be implemented, <laughs> you know, to, to be okay with that because it was developing a muscle in me. It was building my confidence, which is why I was able to walk through some of the doors that opened for me opportunities that I probably would have never pursued if I had not did that work on myself and, and had those experiences because I would have felt there's even times today in my job that I think, this may be the best opportunity of my entire career. And I'll say to myself, but do I have what it takes to do this work? But, but the self-awareness now is have a seat because we're not, that, that's not the voice that we're following. We're following this voice that says, this is an amazing opportunity. And I look forward every day to how I can, you know, help this vision come to, come to life. <laughs> I love that. I love the way you you phrase that because I think that when we when we learn to not live in the 
the noise and we live in the possibility that awareness brings that's where that's where we get into fun adventures and and there's a lot of philosophy that can support what we talk about and the different topics that you talk about on your show i think the reality is it's the it's the human connection with yourself it's it's understanding at the end of the day like we're we're human beings right we we weren't created to be perfect and we weren't created to and this is my belief that it's not about me being perfect it's not about me having all the answers but it's about me um appreciating myself and my life and my experiences to the extent that I'm willing to share them and I'm willing to to be on this journey wholeheartedly you know fully awake um transparent and knowing that the work starts with me it's so easy to point the finger at other people well they did this to me and that's what I found out in therapy it was like oh my goodness I was such the victim I'm a recovering victim I was such the victim. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't realize that that was my mindset. That was my attitude. Like everything happened to me. And I was not operating from a place of power or a place of choice or a place of opportunity because all of these, I experienced all of these things and people said things and people did things you know, that, that was still with me today. And so I had to work through all of that to get, get out, get out from under the victim mentality for that basement. That was my basement, right? The victim mentality to a place of empowerment. And this story can be written, this life story of mine, I can write it however I want to write it. Cause the only person who can write it is me. Isn't that the most cool place to stand? Like knowing that like I get to write my life story. Oh my God. And I think that the, when I com- combine two things that you said, I get to write my story and I get to be okay with all of the story. It's kind of like, you know, that doesn't mean the story is going to be perfect. It means that, well, the story is going to be perfectly imperfect and it's loving the bits that you go, yay, that's amazing. And then loving the bits where you go, oh, not so much, but that's okay. Like I'll, 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 I'll go again. And, and the reason I love that is because I think that's the illusion that, that gets in most people's way is this idea of a utopia. Well, if I can write my own story, surely that story should be, perfect and it should be always like just a magnificent upward curve and it's like no because that's not how stories go and and i'm just i think there's a real opportunity i guess i want to turn this into a question i think there's such an opportunity for everyone to see that and i think there's such an opportunity in the business world for like businesses to start to see what you're pointing towards. And so I'm really curious how how do you see that like how do you see this playing out at an individual level with the people that perhaps you work with? And are you seeing shifts within a corporate context where this 
this this way of looking this way of looking at the world this way of looking at human potential is beginning to permeate in and and is, is there a shift occurring i guess is is part of my question I think there is. I think there's a big shift. And I, when I look back to the beginning phases of my career, I don't remember talking about leadership in the way that we are now, like from the self-awareness perspective, being self-aware, knowing how you show up in spaces and how you affect the people in those spaces. I don't remember that. And as a matter of fact, I feel the first half of my career that I witnessed leadership, bad leadership that was rewarded highly because of the results that were achieved. And so as long as you were achieving the results, nobody cared how you showed up. Nobody cared that you were cantankerous. Nobody cared that you were mean-spirited. Nobody cared that you didn't even like address your team. You didn't even say good morning or good night. Or, you know, you didn't um, appreciate the talent and the diversity of your team. You didn't treat people like human beings because you were accomplishing the task, right? So your reward was in the results. And I think what I've seen over the past years, and the reason why I'm in the role that I'm in today is because the self-awareness and the inclusive mindset is being put front and center, not in the back. We want, we want you to leave with this in front and, and not something that, oh, well, if I get it right, if I learn how to do it, I do it. No, we want this to be a core ingredient your North Star. We want this to be your North Star as a leader. We want you to be highly conscious of how you show up and, and you know, your attitude and your demeanor and how you treat people, right? And, and how you affect people. And we want you to, we want you to take that self-awareness to be a better leader and to create a better culture. And so, you know, and, and, and along, and with that, we want you to be inclusive. Because you're going to be leading people that even if you think they look like you, they're not like you. They're different. <laughs> their, their life experience is going to be a little different. How they think process information is going to be different. Their family experience, their education, it's all different. So even, even if we all can, even if we all say, well, we all look alike, there's no diversity here. That's not honestly true because we have to, we have many things that make us different from each other, but we also have a lot of things that that we can connect with, that we can relate to, that are very similar. And so I think definitely there's a shift. It's why I want to be in doing this work now, because that's the part that I want to tap into and and I want to affect the change, because that's what I struggled with. I saw bad leadership, and I saw that bad leadership being rewarded, and it was confusing to me, because my North Star, my true identity was the total opposite. And so I'm, I, I met a couple of people in the second half of my career that validated that for me because they were great souls, great human beings, and they treated people well. Um, I'll never forget my boss saying to me, you know, um, you do a great job facilitating uh, discussions and, and doing presentations. I, that's your strength. And I want to explore that more. And I want to create a space for you to explore that more. And she did. And I traveled the world for seven years with my colleague, meeting with employees literally across the globe, having conversations, what I call conversations versus training. Because by then I was, I had leaned into myself and gotten comfortable. And so I wasn't just this stiff person flipping through <laughs> slides. You know, I, I was able to have conversations 
with people. And um, so it's it's that shift that happened within myself, that realization, and then the shift that's just happening happening generally that I wanted to be a part of. I love the fact that we're talking about self-awareness with leaders. And I love the fact that we are saying, you don't get to show up any kind of way and treat people any kind of way and cause complete, utter chaos in our culture and be rewarded for that. Yes, the results are very important. We've got big goals, big things that we want to accomplish, but we're going to do that as a community of people, human beings, and we're going to take care of each other along the way. Um, and we're going to create a space where everyone can be their best self and everyone can realize their potential and contribute toward, towards the goal. You've talked a little bit, well, you, quite a bit about do you've done your inner work. You know, you've um, had conversations with your therapist and different things that have helped you see. It's helped build your self-awareness. It's like opened up the different perspectives on yourself on how you were looking at the world and so on. I guess I'm curious as to how, how you think about that in the context of others. Like is, is a person's appetite for the, for doing the inner work on themselves, a significant correlating factor to the breath they might have in leadership or to the extent to which they can open up the aperture to experience life to a greater degree. Like where, where does that sit? Because I guess I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, yeah, like it sounds like if you're prepared to do the inner work, like that's a key element of opening yourself up to greater possibility. So I'd just love to hear, like, what, what, what is your perspective on that? Is, is that? is that a correlating factor as you would see it? Or is that just something that you would say, well, that was, that was your journey. It's not necessarily true for everybody. No, I, I think it's a correlating factor. I think it's, I think it's necessary. Um, you know, when you're in a, in a role of leadership, you're leading people. You're leading human beings. And so to the extent that, like, you have to understand the effect that you have on people. And I think that, you, you can only have that understanding if you're doing the inner work. If you, if you are, you know what I mean? Like if you are being conscious about who you are and how you show up. And so I think when you look at leaders and their, and, and successful leaders and their ability to uh, lead people towards a common goal, it's how did they do that? It, it can't just be about the work. You know, it's got to be that human connection. It's got to be about the level of trust that was built. It's got to be about um, the space that was created for people to be their authentic self. Um, you know, I had a conversation with someone, maybe like, use this as an example. I had a conversation with someone and they said, you know, I, I, I started this call and I was telling people, this is the way that we're going to go. And my team, they, they, they listen and they, and they pause and then they said, we don't agree with this direction. We think we need to go in a different direction. And I said, you should applaud yourself for that. I'm like, that is amazing. That means that you've created a space that your team feels very comfortable and confident and being honest and direct with you as their leader. 
And that is that that's attributed to the space that this person created, whether they were conscious about it or not. The fact that they they interact with them on that level and they had that level of comf- comfort and, and they were confident to, to be able to do that, I think, speaks volumes to the leader. And so there are leaders that I know would never get that response. The team would go down that path, even if they didn't believe that it was even if they believed it was the wrong direction. And the results were not gonna were, were not gonna manifest the way the, the leader expected, because they would have some type of reservation or fear or discomfort with pushing back. They would just let that that little mini disaster happen. And so uh, that's why I think it's so important the the, the self awareness, the inner work is so important because who you are as a person, I think, is going to determine the depth of your leadership. And it's going to determine the magnitude of your quote-unquote success. And I know success is something different for, for everyone, but I'm, I'm using success in the term of accomplishing the goal, the goal that has been established. So I'm not a, I'm not a you know, I'm not an organizational psychologist. I studied organizational leadership. I'm really n- not big on philosophy so much it's how are you going to show up? What are you going to do differently? What impact do you want to make? What do you want people to remember about you? How do you want to be known as a person? What do you want your life legacy to be? And a, a, a question that is asked when you do mission work, not meant to be morbid, but at your funeral, what do you want people to say about you? Do you want, want them to say, he was the best CEO ever? He drove billions of dollars of sales. Or do you want people to say, he was one of the few CEOs that I ever worked with that made it a point to get to know every employee in this company, to make connection with every employee in this company, whether it was one-on-one through small groups or large groups. He wanted to feel like he was connected to the to to the culture and the people who made up the culture of that company. There's a difference. There's a big difference. And so I just discovered early on I want the I want the the latter. I want people to t- I want to be rem- remembered for who I am as a person, not just the work that I did. I love it. Well, I think that's a an awesome place for us to uh, bring this lovely conversation to to an end um but before we do we have have a a little tradition where we ask our guests to on the spot come up with their bumper sticker for life um and so you know based on on the conversation we've had and the the inner work you've done and the things you've seen and 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 the the wonderful things that have bubbled up for you uh, what would be your bumper sticker for life, Annette? Oh, this is easy. And I've, I've had this one for a couple of years now. It's my, it's my hashtag, but it could easily be a bumper sticker. Live a life you love. Live a life you love. And that's what I try to do every day is live a life I love, not, through, not, not just through what I acquire and what I accomplish, but live a life I love as a human being, you know, um, and yeah, so I, I love that. I love that. I that's my hashtag. It's on my social media. I probably should get a bumper sticker now that you mention that and, and put that on my car because it 
I, it, it, it's it's my it's my guiding light is to remember to live a life that that I love. Well, I I I'll let L jump in, but from my side, it's been an absolute delight. I loved having you here. Thank you. And uh, and uh, yeah, I I love the work that we're doing together, and and I'm I'm very very privileged to uh, to have uh, been teamed up with you. So thanks so much for doing this. Mark, there's times where I leave meetings with you and I feel like, what did I do? Like, I must be doing something right because I continue to be connected to these amazing people who make me want to continue to be a better person and to continue doing that work. And so um, it's a journey. I, I'm, I'll never consider myself done. And you're one of those people that you'll, you'll, drop, you'll drop a gem and I'll write it down. And I'm like, yes, I want to explore that more. <laughs> I like that. I like that idea. And I'm going to explore that more. And so I think, you know, that's, that's a part of living a life you love is always being open to, you know, being better, getting better, doing better. Well, thank you. I mean, there from my side, it's been just such a pleasure. Like Mark said at the beginning that he's fallen in love with you. And I think I've fallen in love with you a little bit too, as well. Um, I found this to be such a genuinely inspirational conversation. Uh, I just felt this deep connection to you and your truth. And, and I just think uh, it's really inspiring. And, and it's this conversation to me in itself has been like a role model conversation for what it sounds like to be living a life you love and to come from that place. So just really appreciative of you and your presence and your way of speaking that possibility into the world. It's, it's really awesome. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for having me. It was nice meeting you. You have a fan, so I'm following your podcast now. Um, and you have a fan, so I look forward to uh, listening to to the future sessions. Well, I think that wraps up our conversation for today. Everybody, thank you for listening and uh, hope that you got as much out of this as I know we did. And uh, we shall uh, be with you again next week. Thank you for joining us on this enlightening journey, unraveling the innate brilliance within every human being. We hope today's episode has sparked new thoughts and inspired fresh perspectives. Remember, the power to shatter illusions and unleash your true potential lies within you. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite platform. If you'd like more insights and daily doses of inspiration, you can follow me on Instagram at alkennycoaching. Or you can connect with myself and Mark on LinkedIn, uh, where we will share articles and perspectives about unlocking your innate brilliance. Remember, you are capable of extraordinary things. Keep believing, keep exploring, and keep shining brightly. Take care and stay brilliant.